Life is difficult. The world can be an unforgiving place and we all experience grief, heartbreak and loss. But for most of us, these moments are buoyed by the support of our loved ones and the beauty that can be found in the world. Yet what if these moments of grief could be distilled into a single element? The collective grief and suffering of humanity coalesced into a single form, a powerful force that sought to undo the mistake, the mistake of life itself. These are the powerful philosophical ideas behind those who have succumbed to the flame of frenzy, to those who would seek to bring about a lord of chaos and burn away the diversity of life. However, behind the philosophy and human element to this story, there are other cosmic facets that are a little harder to grasp. The story of a force that exists solely to reduce the work of the greater will and burn it down to ash. A force that is born of the collective suffering of this world and has manifested itself not only as a powerful concept, but an actual power that threatens to swallow the world. So join me this week as we finally tackle the mysteries of the Frenzied Flame and the Three Fingers. But before we start guys, remember that if you like Elden Ring lore content, then consider liking this video and subscribing to the channel, as I have hours of lore content for you to enjoy. Before we begin this video, I do wish to acknowledge two very important videos by other creators that have greatly influenced my core ideas on this subject and some of the lore of the Frenzied Flame. These videos are the Lore Hunter's Sabriri video and Ratatascore's video on the Frenzied Flame. And while I will directly reference these videos at certain points, I wanted to make it clear that these videos have influenced me at a foundational level. So I think the best place to begin when talking about the Frenzied Flame is talking about its gestation within the Lands Between and how it has come to exist in this world. And by this I don't mean its summoning at the hands of the Great Caravan, nor Shabriri's role in helping spread this force throughout the land, though we will talk about these subjects both shortly. Rather, I mean the conditions that allow this force to exist in the first place, where it comes from, and how it is able to be summoned and spread in the first place. In my Outer Gods lore video, I presented what I believe to be a fairly solid analysis of the Outer Gods, and I would recommend that you watch that, but I will still go over the foundational ideas for the sake of analysing the Frenzied Flame and the Three Fingers. In that video, we posited that the Outer Gods are akin to the concept of Kami, and this idea came to my attention thanks to a commenter, Great Cosmic Axilotl, and then I discussed the subject with Sabako no Mako's translator, Merko, and they let me know that this is one of the prevailing understandings of the Outer Gods in the Japanese lore community. The Kami are essentially gods or spirits which are manifestations or personifications of concepts that were created as a consequence of the Elden Ring's creation. And to basically explain this idea in better detail, I will quote Merkel now. Kami are more akin to natural forces, part of the nature itself. They are water, plants, trees, sun, moon, snow, etc. The Erter gods are, in my opinion, and in the opinion of the greater part of the Japanese community, just that. Powers, energies that flow through the world and that creatures can channel with prayers and rituals. And these gods these kami are considered outer because they are opposite to the golden order founded by Marika. If you notice, most of these outer gods are tied to the concept of death. Rot is decomposition, 
Frenzied Flame is Chaos and Absence of Order, and the Formless Mother is Blood, Loss of Blood, etc. So Kami is a concept in Shintoism, where gods are manifestations of natural concepts and fundamental elements in the world and of life. I was also informed by various commenters that this idea isn't exclusive to Shinto, and is linked to the idea of animism, the idea that all natural phenomena have a spirit. As Mirko states here, the main reason the outer gods are considered outer is because they are external to the current ruling order, but importantly, they are still linked to concepts created by the Elden Ring, and they are not cosmic beings that are rivals to the greater will, as I once believed myself. So returning to the Frenzied Flame, this concept is heavily implied to be an outer god as well, via the descriptions of the varying stages of the unalloyed gold Michelin Needle, described as an implement designed to ward away the influence of the outer gods, and its only true use in-game is to ward away the influence of the Frenzied Flame. Thus it is suggested that the Frenzied Flame is an outer god. So to understand where the Frenzied Flame may have come from, we need to explain the origins of this world, and how we believe these outer gods fit into this world. So once again, as we have so many times in this channel, we need to refer to Hayeta's important dialogue regarding the creation of diversity of life and the separation of the One Great. And while we listen to this, it is important to bear in mind that the author of this speech is the Three Fingers, as she reveals this after we touch her with the frenzied flame and divines these words from the Three Fingers themselves. So we of course must consider their bias when considering the following words. The words of the Three Fingers, as your maiden, allow me to divine them. All that there is came from the One Great, then came fractures and births and souls, but the greater will made a mistake. Torment, despair, affliction, every sin, every curse, every one born of the mistake. And so, what was borrowed must be returned, melted all away with the yellow chaos flame, until all is one again. So in essence, Hayeta here tells us that once life was indistinguishable, but the actions of the greater will led it to becoming fractured. I have posited in the past that the arrival of the Elden Beast and the Elden Ring, as described by the Elden Star's incantation, was the event that stimulated this change, as a result of the Elden Ring's influence. In many ways, the Elden Ring is the body that governs the world itself, and its order, and so to me it makes sense that the Elden Ring's arrival and its power would have led to the One Great forming to reflect the influence of the Elden Ring. I would thus suggest that each facet of the world was also formed out of this One Great by the Elden Ring. Elements and fundamentals such as death, life, disease, fire, water, etc. This too is an opinion shared by some in the Japanese lore community as we learn the following via Merkel. For this interpretation, it is implied that they were born the instant the Greater Will sent the Golden Star into the Lands Between. With this interpretation, it is implied the natural forces are also born with it, therefore the gods themselves. It is just one of the many speculations of the Japanese community, but I thought it was right to add this information anyway. 
So thanks again to Mirko for that information. So it therefore follows that if we are suggesting that the frenzied flame is one of these outer gods, one of these manifestations of a worldly element, then we must be suggesting that the frenzied flame was also born with the arrival of the Elden Ring and the creation of the world as we know it, and the separation of the One Great. I think that in a way this makes sense as the frenzied flame definitely is the embodiment of a number of ideas. However, it is unique among the outer gods in that it exists almost as a mirror reflection of the greater will's order and in opposition to it, rather than trying to fit into it. Mirko's understanding of the frenzied flame is that it is the concept of chaos or absence of order. And while there are philosophical nuances to this, which we will discuss momentarily, I do think that this is more or less close to the truth of what the frenzied flame is meant to embody, what its kami or outer god is embodying. In this world, order is essentially structure, giving life structure, as the greater will did when it fractured the one great, giving life form and ordering it from an indistinguishable chaotic mass. And so when the one great was shattered and fractured by the greater will, all these concepts and fundamentals of the world exist in balance. Where there is death, there is life. Where there is light, there is dark. And so of course, when the greater well created the idea and the concept of order, it must have created the concept of disorder by default. Every concept has an opposite. And therefore I do agree with Mirko's interpretation that these kami came into being due to the ordering done by the Elden Ring and with it the creation of fundamental laws and concepts. Balance in all things, even if that means there is a force in opposition to the very force that created it. So with order came a shadow, a shadow that opposed the most central and fundamental facet to the Elden Ring's domain, order itself. And with that we can assume that this force would have had the potential to manifest a god, a kami much like the other outer gods, hence the outer god of the frenzied flame. And as Mirko said, each of these outer gods, each of these concepts can have their own followers and worshippers who can help channel its power. We have of course the Mogwin dynasty and the bloody fingers who serve the outer god of blood, and we have the devoted of rot like Gowrie who serve the outer god of rot. And in this case, with the outer god of the frenzied flame, it is no different. There are those who worship the outer god of the frenzied flame. So the story of those who would become representatives of this particular ideology is something quite intriguing and somewhat confusing, but it is important for us to assess in order to get a stronger understanding of the frenzied flame. For me, the best place to start when analysing the adherence of this particular ideology would be with the fingerprint stone shield, which reads as follows. A great stone shield with an intricately carved fingerprint design, one of the heaviest of all shields. Part of the tomb of an ancient god, the readerless fingers relayed their messages through these imprints, said to be the very seeds from which Frenzy first spouted. This is a really fascinating piece of lore because it firstly tells us that this is the source of the Flame of Frenzy, but that is something we will consider in the next chapter. However, what I want to discuss in this current chapter is the idea of the God of the Frenzied Flame, 
and thus it's interesting in this fingerprint stone shield's description that we get mention of an ancient god that was placed within a tomb. Now, where this tomb is should be a straightforward one for the player to discern, as we find the shield itself in the tomb of the Great Caravan, directly above the Three Fingers themselves. Indeed, the Tragic Caravan is described to have been entombed in the description of the Nomad's Ashes. But what is this tomb, and what is the ancient god that was entombed within? We learn via the Fingerprint Shield that unlike the two fingers who have interpreters, like the finger reader Enea, the three fingers have no such readers, and thus they used fingerprints to convey their messages. But the question remains, whose message? Is it their own, or are they envoys like the two fingers are? Well, the first suggestion that I have for you is that it is the message of the three fingers themselves, a case of Occam's razor, if you will, given that it is the three fingers that we find in the tomb, and the three fingers are mentioned in the same breath as the ancient god in the fingerprint shield's description, and that it is the three fingers that are considered the god, and they do not play the same envoy role that the two fingers do for the greater will. I do also believe that this is backed up by the item Note the Lord of Frenzied Flame, as it reads the following. Beneath Leyndale, at the bottom, lies our lord, Lord of the Frenzied, the three fingers who hold us in thrall. The specific wording here, to me at least, suggests that the three fingers are revered not just as envoys of the Frenzied Flame, but as a lord or god themselves. I believe that the three fingers are the corporeal manifestation of the Kami or Outer God of Chaos, and that they take the form that they do because of what it stands for. It stands for reunification. I've never been one to believe that there was once a five-finger hand, and that it was split after the one great was split, because first of all there are multiple two fingers, so the maths doesn't add up anyway. So rather than seeing these three fingers as something that was literally torn off a five-fingered hand, I instead see them as a manifestation of the god of chaos itself, its chosen form meant to symbolically oppose the two fingers, representing the other three of a whole five a reflection of its goal to return the world to a single state of matter. The way in which these three fingers communicate only serves to further contrast them with their two finger counterparts. The two finger heirloom highlights the fact that the two fingers communicate in a more graceful and organised manner, as it reads the following. Fingers cannot speak, yet these were eloquent. Persistently did they wriggle, spelling out mysteries in the air. Thus did we gain the words, the words of our faith. The two fingers wriggle and are interpreted by finger readers, and from these come the words of the faith, transcribed into cipher, as shown by the cipher pata, a language of light. It is all so sophisticated, organised and orderly. And then you have the three fingers, that crudely transcribe its messages by animalistically gouging its fingerprints into stone such as we see it doing when we first gain an audience with it. And basically just a far more crude and inelegant way of transcribing its message as opposed to its two finger counterparts. And I think this contrast is useful in showing how the three fingers are meant to symbolise the complete subversion of order and reflect their two finger counterparts. The lore hunter also ponders the question of what the three fingers are 
in his excellent video on Shabiri, and he offers a differing perspective on this that I could also buy into, and so I will offer it now. In his video, Lore Hunter highlights how, like Rani, chosen candidates, or Imperians, have their own two fingers. Lore Hunter therefore speculates that these three fingers once served a god, who ruled and brandished the Elden Ring in some previous age that we don't know about, but of course that this god died in due course and is the ancient god that is mentioned in the fingerprint stone shield that was then entombed alongside its old two fingers. Without any purpose, now that their god was dead, they were cast aside and left to rot beside their fallen god. These two fingers would warp and become envoys for the frenzied flame, warped and driven mad by their loss of purpose. Lorehunter goes further and suggests that there is no outer god at all, per se, but instead that this is all the actions of the three fingers, former servants of the greater will, cast aside, and that they are outer god slash cosmic due to the fact that they are related to the greater will itself. And again, I highly recommend you check out that video that I will link below. Whichever of these explanations you choose to believe, I do think it is clear that the three fingers are in some way linked to the ancient god that is entombed here, and for whatever reason and in whatever way, they are now representatives of the frenzied flame in this mortal plane. And with that said, let us assess the tomb itself. Evidently we must assume that it is very old, given that the god buried here is referred to as ancient. But is it older than Dale itself, or was it built alongside it or after it? The answer is really impossible to know for sure, but I will give my personal take on it, as I believe it's quite interesting to consider the age and purpose of this tomb. I believe that it is pretty clear that some of the architecture surrounding the Frenzied Flame prescription must have been built around the same time as Dale. The shunning grounds around it and above it, for example, appear to be some kind of sewer system, which must clearly have been built for the city above it. I would also argue that the church that actually acts as a seal to the entrance to the Frenzied Flame prescription, i.e. the arena in which we fight fake Moog, is at most from the early Erdtree era, because it has the same architecture as other catacombs that we find around the world, and also like the nearby Dale catacombs by the way, which is also adjacent to this sewer system. The reason that I think these are similar architecture is of course because you can find these skeleton statues within this church that you can find in other catacombs. And if these share the same architecture as the catacombs, it means it must have been around from at least the Erdtree era, because these catacombs designs are meant to facilitate Erdtree burial, something we learn about via the Roots Resin item description, which reads, The roots of the Great Tree were once linked to those of the Erdtree, or so they say, and it is for that reason catacombs are built around great tree roots. So it therefore tracks that these catacombs are an Erdtree era construction, meaning that this underground church must also be. This does make sense, as it is directly connected and built into the wall of the giant cistern, which makes up the central hub of the sewer network. However, behind the movable altar lies the frenzied flame prescription, the Tomb of the Three Fingers, and this could be older than Lane Dell and the church in front of it. Firstly, the architecture is different than that of regular catacombs, or at least it doesn't have the same furnishings that would concretely align it with them, 
such as the skeleton and the statues. And given this church on front of it seems to have been built with the express purpose of sealing and hiding the frenzied flame prescription, it surely must have come after the original tomb was built. The timeline in Elden Ring isn't clear, and so while this is an ancient god, the founding of Leyendale itself could also be considered an ancient event, and so we can't really use that terminology to determine if this tomb was built before Leyendale. However, what I would like to say is that I would guess that this tomb was built independently of Leyendale, but was later sealed by those of the Erd Tree behind the false altar we find in the Shunning Grounds. We of course know that the royal family must have been responsible for its sealing, because of A. Morgoth's seal, knowing that at least he was familiar with what lay in this tomb, and B. We learn that the great caravan of the nomadic merchants was sealed within the tomb via items like the nomadic merchant chapeau, which reads as follows. These merchants once thrived as the great caravan, but after being accused of heretical beliefs, their entire clan was rounded up and buried alive far beneath underground. This also suggests that perhaps it was at the time of the great caravan being buried that this tomb was actually sealed away, the way that it was by the time that we see it. There are no definitive answers here, but personally I believe that the tomb was a separate construction and was later sealed by those of Leyendale once its true purpose was discovered. I think this idea can also be backed up by the two different terminologies we hear given to this place. It is referred to as the Tomb of an Ancient God in the Fingerprint Shield, but is later known as the Frenzied Flame Prescription, prescription meaning forbidden. This to me suggests two stages in its existence, firstly as the tomb for a god of another era, and then later a quarantine forbidden area that would have been determined as such by those of the ruling order of Leyendale. However, I also admit that its location beneath Leyendale itself could very well be used as a counter to the fact that the tomb was built before Leyendale, as it is very convenient that it is found beneath the capital city in the entire game. And therefore, it is very possible that the tomb was built after or at the same time as Leyendale to seal away the dangerous frenzied flame, imprisoning the most dangerous threat to the Leyendale ruling class's new ruling order. Whatever the order in which things were built, the location of the tomb is significant and an interesting thing to consider. Indeed, in a cut content line from one of Kali's brothers, NPC802, they mention the fact the tomb is below those omen even. We are able to access these lost dialogues thanks to the fantastic work of Sekiro Dube, who has recreated the nomadic questlines in two excellent videos, which I will link below. And I highly recommend you check out these videos, because he has actually restored the dialogue itself, rather than me just reading the text dump of the game. And so getting to witness a reconstruction of these lost questlines is something truly unique and special and I thank Sekiro Dube for all the work he's done in the community. In this dialogue, I find the emphasis on the frenzied flame existing even below the omen as a pretty symbolic choice. On the surface we have Leyendale, the pinnacle of what is considered to be holy and right. Then below the surface we have the omen, beings considered external to the refined, sophisticated ideals of the Golden Order, and therefore shunned. Then, even below these despised creatures, we have the Frenzied Flame and the Three Fingers. 
and indeed the developers specifically chose to have the three fingers right beneath Lane Dell rather than in a deep tomb somewhere else, as if we are to view these layers, these two forces, as above and below, like heaven and hell. And indeed, to those who are proponents of the Golden Order or the Erdtree, like Morgoat and others of the ruling royal family, would certainly view the Frenzied Flame as the devil, as heresy, as it poses the most direct challenge to their rule, to their world. And speaking of heresy, it is now time for us to look at the spread of the Frenzied Flame itself, and how it first spread from the Three Fingers and took root amongst humanity. This of course brings us back to the item description of the Fingerprint Shield, and again I will just reread it for a refresher. A great stone shield with an intricately carved fingerprint design. Part of the tomb of an ancient god, the readerless fingers relayed their message through these imprints, said to be the very seeds from which Frenzy first sprouted. So these imprints, the fingerprint messages of the three fingers on stone slabs, are the very seeds from which Frenzy sprouted, suggesting that the very idea, message and philosophy behind the Frenzied Flame came about from these tablets, and as we will soon see, it appears as though the Frenzied Flame can be manifested by those who share certain beliefs and emotions. The yellow colouring of the Frenzied Flame itself is not an idle choice by From Software, especially given it is directly referred to as the Yellow Flame by Hayata and indirectly through the Eyes of Yellow Plant, a plant afflicted by the Frenzied Flame. These repeated mentions to Yellow and the association of the Frenzied Flame with Madness, I believe is meant to make us think of the motif of the King in Yellow, a fictionally forbidden play which causes despair and madness in those who read it. And likewise, we could see the words of the Three Fingers and associated ideas in the same way, as the spread of these words is no doubt what led to its power taking root in the lands in the first place, and the more these ideas spread, the more purchase they find in the lands between. We get another clue as to the spread of the frenzied flame from the Howl of Shabriri incantation, which reads as follows. Releases a maddening shriek that causes madness buildup in foes nearby. It is said that the sickness of the Flame of Frenzy began with Shabriri, the most reviled man in all history. So Shabriri is an absolutely key and central figure to understanding how the Frenzied Flame has managed to find purchase among the denizens of the Lands Between. We can learn more about this enigmatic figure via the Shabriri's Roe Talisman, which reads as follows. Disturbing likeness of a man whose eyes have been gouged out. The corners of his mouth are upturned in an almost flirtatious manner. It is said that the man named Shabriri had his eyes gouged out as punishment for the crime of slander, and, with time, the blight of the flame of frenzy came to dwell in the empty sockets. So Shabriri appears to have been a man at some stage, though later it does seem that he is far more than that now. This man, Shabriri, became reviled after he committed the crime of slander, meaning he essentially spread lies about someone or a group of people to cast a shadow on their character. Yet apparently this lie would come to light and he was punished for it. 
and that after this, he would become the source for the Frenzied Flame. Now, given that the sickness of the Flame of Frenzy began with Shabriri, it presupposes that he was the first ever to suffer from the Flame of Frenzy, something we see that is now fairly widespread in the lands between. And indeed, it says that the Flame of Frenzy rested within his empty eye sockets, and now the Flame of Frenzy burns people's eyes, as if to mimic the way in which the Frenzy Flame settled within Shabriri that first time. It is a recreation of that first manifestation of the Frenzied Flame. In his lore video on Shabriri, the lore hunter connects the description of the fingerprint shield and Shabriri's howl to create a compelling narrative about the gestation of the Frenzied Flame. They posit that it was Shabriri who was one of the first to receive the message of the three fingers through the stone tablets described in the fingerprint shield, that these are the seeds of the Frenzied Flame, and thus it makes sense that Shabriri, the first sufferer of the Frenzied Flame, must have read these stone tablets and become the first servant of the Frenzied Flame. Lore Hunter goes further to link the slander mentioned in Shabriri's woe to the Great Caravan's ultimate fate. This is due to some cut dialogue and some quest lines that can be found in the text files, and again this is something that has been recreated in its entirety with the audio by Sekiro Dubi, and I highly recommend you check that video out. In a nutshell, Kali would try and locate the Great Caravan of his people, of his ancestors, before finding the shocking truth of their ultimate fate deep below the capital. At this stage, Kali would say the following. Did you see what they did to my ancestors? The whole clan buried alive, sick, maddened, husks of themselves. Have you heard their moans? They're hardly human anymore. They think we worship the three fingers, that we called the maddening sickness down upon them. Well, if that's what they expect from us, then that is what they shall get from us. The world of grace and its people should have been content to see us sink between the cracks. This dialogue is cut content, so I would ask you to take it with a pinch of salt. However, as Lore Hunter says in that video, this doesn't really contradict anything else we have in the existing lore, and so it could still indicate the correct intended story. The dialogue indicates that the nomadic caravan was imprisoned because of their perceived affinity with Frenzy and their worship of the Three Fingers. However, Callie's dialogue seems to indicate that this wasn't actually true, that they were falsely accused, but have only now turned to it in despair and to spite those who would oppress them. This is possibly backed up by the description of the Merchant Chapeau, which implies they came into contact with the Frenzied Flame because of their imprisonment, not before it. It reads the following. These merchants once thrived as the Great Caravan, but after being accused of heretical beliefs, their entire clan was rounded up and buried alive far underground. Then they chanted a curse of despair and summoned the Flame of Frenzy. Importantly, the Chapeau states that the reason they were imprisoned in the first place was because of heretical beliefs. This does lead us to conclude that what Kali says in the cut content is still very much the case that they were accused of being adherents of the Three Fingers 
and that is why they are rounded up and buried here. The lore hunter suggests that the slander that Shabriri committed was this false accusation against the Great Caravan and Kali's people. One can't help consider Shabriri's smile in the talisman, described as almost flirtatious despite his gouged out eyes, almost as if he knew exactly what he was doing and that it would lead to the further spread of the frenzied flame. Despite it being quite a neat narrative and a compelling one at that, it is ultimately just speculation and all we actually know is that Shabriri had his eyes gouged out, the flame of frenzy then came to nestle within these empty eyes and he would become patient zero for this new affliction that would then affect people in the same way, i.e. having the flame manifest through their eyes. Shabriri himself is an interesting case because it is clear that he is now more than a man, if he ever was at all. He is able to possess Yura's body, and as we will discuss in the following chapter, the frenzied flame takes root in those who feel despair, and we witness Yura's despair at the end of his quest. Eleonora, it seems I am no match for you, but I've learned a thing or two myself. You see, I've sliced the finger off. Please. Please. Eleonora. Yield to the cesspit no longer. Do not stain the immaculacy of your sword. Your flesh. And thus it is likely that in this moment of despair that Shabriri is allowed or able to enter Yura's body, acting as an envoy for the frenzied flame to try and convince the Tarnish to create up the mantle of the Lord of Chaos. Shabriri is a vessel for chaos, a manifestation of it, which explains his ability to possess people, and in his own words, if we try to kill him, he says the following. Shabriri is chaos incarnate. Shabriri is now more than flesh and bone. They are a concept, a manifestation of chaos, and thus cannot die in the traditional sense. The choice of Shabriri's name may also hint at what they are. Shabriri is a demon in Jewish mythology, the demon of blindness, who spreads blindness to the unsuspecting who drink from the water that they inhabit. So to me, Shabriri is a demon of chaos, chaos incarnate and a manifestation of its will, and a tool to spread the influence of the frenzied flame, much as the traditional Shabriri spreads blindness. I would posit that perhaps Shabriri was never actually a man, and even when he was the most reviled man in history, he was always just a demon in the guise of a man. I have always found it rather unsettling that Shabriri is smiling, despite having his eyes gouged out extremely demonic behaviour if you ask me. Regardless of if he was once human or not, he is clearly demonic now and the source for the frenzied flame that is spread throughout humanity. But what is the relevance of eyes? What is the sickness of the frenzied flame? And why do people align themselves with this nihilistic power? Let us now attempt to answer these questions as we assess the frenzied flame itself. When the frenzied flame first took root within Shabriri, it settled within their eyes. And thus it makes sense that when this sickness would spread, 
it would spread and manifest the same way it did in Patient Zero, by manifesting in the eyes of those who host it. Eyes are the very centre of this spread and very symbolic for the ideas behind the frenzied flame. And indeed it seems as though, through the flames, in time, the eyes of the bearer are melted to make them closer to Shabriri without his eyes. Oh, it burns. My eyes, my eyes, they're melting. Indeed, the Shabriri grapes are themselves eyes, afflicted and melted by the frenzied flame. And should we choose to inherit the frenzied flame, our eyes will take on a similar appearance. So whilst practically the spread through eyes mimic the affliction of Shabriri, it's quite obvious that From Software have chosen the eyes as a focus point for this exact philosophy for a symbolic reason. But what is that? Well, early on in Elden Ring's release history, a really powerful piece of art circulated on Twitter that you might remember, and it was this one. And this is the painting Agony by the artist Mile Johnston. And while many believe that this was a piece inspired by Elden Ring, it actually predates it by a number of years, with Agony first being displayed on his Instagram as far back as 2018. And this to me is extremely fascinating, given how closely it looks to the symptoms of the frenzied flame, leading me to believe was this actually the source of inspiration for the manifestation of the frenzied flame itself? Though as shown by Xyostorm in one of his discovery videos, this same gesture and idea is also displayed on a Magic the Gathering card, Mindblaze. And given that Xyostorm also points out that a number of Magic the Gathering cards have inspired different Elden Ring motifs, it is possible that one of these inspired Elden Ring. Or perhaps all these different pieces of art, Agony, Magic the Gathering and Elden Ring are all developed individually. But what is important either way is that it shows that this gesture is a powerful choice to display turmoil and despair internally. Even if it wasn't the basis for it, the reasoning and themes that inspired it will 100% help us to understand the nature of the frenzied flame and its symbolic connotations, because evidently they are both trying to convey the same thing, a single gesture that is to make the viewer feel a certain emotion, pain and despair. In an Instagram post, Miles describes the inspiration for this piece, and I quote him now. I had just been looking at the painting the first morning, and something about Eve with two hands pressed against her face felt so profoundly powerful and sad. Like the artist has condensed all of humanity's collective grief into one gesture. I wanted to play around with some similar body language that felt inherently evocative and build from there. So the artist makes it clear that while inspired by another piece of art, he wanted to convey all of humanity's grief and pain in a singular evocative emotion. Likewise, I believe the similar positioning of those who are suffering from the frenzied flame with their hands on their head is meant to convey something similar, that we look at these characters and instantly realise that they are going through some kind of suffering or some kind of pain. Even before you fully understand the full lore of Elden Ring, it is really clear what this gesture is trying to convey. Pain, grief, sadness. Indeed, even Hayeta takes on the exact same gesture after her eyes have been melted by the Chaos Flame, as does Shabriri 
when he takes over Eura's flesh. So this is a key component of the philosophy behind the Frenzied Flame. And this does become more clear as you progress the game. Those who fall victim to this sickness are those who have suffered and those who have had enough of the pain that life can bring. Edgar overcome by grief and revenge. The great caravan brutalised and treated unjustly. Eura lost in his grief over Eleonora's fate, and then many nameless souls who wished they simply had never been born. All of them are touched by the frenzied flame. Ratatascor has done an excellent video that discusses the philosophy behind the frenzied flame called What is the Frenzied Flame? In this, they focus on the feelings and emotions behind the frenzied flame, seeing it as a proxy for human emotions, thoughts and principles, concluding that those adhere to this philosophy believe that life is simply not worth living because life is suffering. In a way of illustrating the depth and power of this idea, Ratatascor then goes on to read a chapter from Brothers Karazimov, and I highly recommend you check out that video in full, as it is an extremely emotive and interesting take on the frenzied flame. And indeed I do agree with this, as in-game it does seem that those who suffer from the frenzied flame also wish that life had never happened, that there is too much suffering involved when you are granted life. Those who gave me grapes howled without words, saying they wished they were never born. They come their lord, take their torment, despair, their affliction, every sin, every curse, and melt it all away. As the Lord of Chaos, no more fractures, no more birth. <clears throat> Despair is the unifying emotion. Despair what these people have suffered during the course of their life. Indeed, the Great Caravan summoned the Frenzied Flame by chanting a song of despair, an outlet for the injustices they had suffered. This is also why the Eye of Yellow, a plant associated with the Frenzied Flame, is a pain reliever. The entire philosophy behind this force is to end pain and suffering, pain caused by life itself. And so this returns me to the original question of this chapter. What is the significance of eyes? Well, I do think it goes back to that original image by Miles Johnston and our innate understanding and recognition of despair, where he correctly identified that the gesture is one that portrays grief, the covering up of one's eyes. Firstly, because we cry through our eyes. And secondly, everything we witness, especially the bad, we witness through our eyes. And it is a common trope in tragedy that bad events make characters want to tear out their own eyes lest they see the suffering anymore. There is of course the classic example of Oedipus Rex, a tragedy written by Sophocles in which the titular character, Oedipus, unknowingly murders his own father and marries his own mother. When the truth is revealed to him, he gouges out his own eyes in despair. Despair is the core tenant behind those who are adherents of the frenzied flame, and thus for me, their eyes being melted in despair is thematically apt, which is why eyes end up being thematically important for the frenzied flame. Even the plants born of the frenzied flame touch like the eyes of yellow take the form of eyes. Given the importance of sight then, what is the relevance of Hayeta's weak sight? Given all we have said about sight thus far in this chapter, 
it must be clear that there has to be some relevance to Hayata's weak sight, and that has to be central as to why Irina was chosen as a vessel for this Hayata. Is it perhaps because she is not able to see the tragedy of the world, and thus is a purer state of being according to the Frenzied? After all, Irina is spared the sights of the horrific and bloody Morn massacre, and Hayata is spared the truth of what she must ingest, human eyes. Or perhaps a lack of sight is needed so that the potential maiden can see the distant light in their head, rather than being distracted by the corporeal world. All speculation, but her lack of sight is clearly an important aspect to her becoming a three-finger maiden. With the symbolism aside, let us look at the spread of the frenzy itself. It seems that it can be spread in two different ways. One, the passing from one life form to another, like irregular sickness, or two, manifesting in those who experience great despair. It is of course referred to as a sickness via the Howl of Shabriri item description. The frenzied village in Lyurnia also seems to be an infection vector for this force as well. What are the chances that everyone in this same village had the same beliefs that manifested it, including the soldiers that seem to be stationed here? Rather, it seems more likely that it has infected the whole village. And one of the note key items seems to back up this idea, as it implies that we may also catch it should we go there. The frenzied flame village note reads as follows. South of the grand lift of Dectus lies the frenzied flame village inhabited by the sick. Stay well away. Again it refers to it as a sickness and asking us to stay away, suggesting it can spread like a traditional disease. And indeed it can spread like one, as we can suffer from the madness of frenzy if we are accosted by the afflicted, and when the incantations of chaos are unleashed upon us. The very fact that rats can be tainted by the frenzied flame should also indicate that it does spread like a traditional disease, as it is doubtful that rats would manifest the flame through emotion, rather they most likely get it through eating the corpses of the dead, of those who once held the sickness. And we do know that the deceased who held the frenzied flame in life are still infected with it, as the yellow ember item description reads as follows. A sign that the deceased suffered from the flame of frenzy. This grape has ripened and burst. So it has spread like a normal disease, and as usual, rats are a vector or carrier of disease, but in this case they carry the disease of the frenzied flame, and can spread it to others should they attack them. It even seems like this sickness can spread to other parts of nature too, manifesting in a perversion of vegetation that could serve to further spread it should it be eaten by wildlife or humans. And I of course refer to the Eyes of Yellow, which read as follows. Grown in lands afflicted by frenzy, it is used for its pain-relieving properties, though it is also known to be a dangerous intoxicant. The fact that this is in lands afflicted by the frenzied flame shows that it spreads not just through the mind and through humans, but as if it is a regular plague. However, as I mentioned, the frenzied flame can also be manifested, as we have already seen with Shabriri, who is basically patient zero. And it also seems as though, in the case of the Great Caravan, it was manifested through their grief, rather than it being caught by them like a disease. And again I read the description of their chapeau. These merchants once thrived as the Great Caravan, 
but after being accused of heretical beliefs, their entire clan was rounded up and buried alive far underground. Then they chanted a curse of despair and summoned the frenzied flame. So the great caravan were not sick nor infected, but through the suffering they endured and the despair they felt at their unjust treatment, the flame was summoned, manifested. Edgar is also one who appears to have fallen victim to the frenzied flame through his emotions. We can loot a Shabriri grape from his corpse when we defeat him in his revenger form, suggesting that in his grief and despair he fell to its power and it manifested in his eyes, which is why we can take them as a Shabriri grape. So in short, the flame can be summoned, but it can also be spread like an illness, making it very potent indeed, especially when a group channel its power together, as we can see in the case of the Frenzied Tower, a watchtower in northern Lyurnia that seems to have been taken over by villagers from the nearby Frenzied Village, and together they seem to be manifesting a huge concentration of the Frenzied Flame's power, afflicting all the wildlife around it, which is why there are rats and eyes of yellow nearby. The collective power of the Frenzied Flame also seems to be reflected in the donation of Shabriri grapes for Hayeta, for she believes that it is the collective sight of the eyes that she has devoured that will eventually lead her to the Three Fingers, or the Distant Light. Ah, uh, is that you over there? I've gleaned something very important indeed, thanks to you. The reason why it was eyes I had to eat, the distant light, is far and frail, so faint it can't be seen by the naked eye, but with everyone's eyes together, it appears. Finally, it all makes sense, I'm certain now. I will be a finger maiden. The outer god of chaos may not be the outer god of despair, but it makes sense that its power makes purchase within these people. The yellow flame offers a release from life itself, a cathartic vindication of their suffering, as order, the order that caused them suffering, is burnt to the ground. So now that we have looked at the philosophy of the frenzied flame and why people might follow it, it is time to look at their end goal, of their maiden and the lord of chaos. Burn the earth tree to the ground and incinerate all that divides and distinguishes. Ah, may chaos take the world. May chaos take the world. Hayeta is the second figure within the chaos pantheon that appears to take the form of someone who we know to be deceased. Hayeta is not available at all until Irina is dead. She is the same voice actor, the same model, and even the same bloody dress, and both describe themselves as being born with weak eyesight. Given what happens with Yura and Shibriri, it isn't hard to imagine that Hayeta is an instrument of the Three Fingers, a reincarnated version of Irina, though someone less directly connected to the Frenzied Flame as Shibriri, as Hayeta doesn't evidently know what Shabriri grapes are until we tell her. Yet I do see Irina as a purpose-made instrument of the Three Fingers, as she appears to know that she is meant to be a maiden of the Three Fingers, as if this reincarnated or new version of Irina has been reincarnated with a sole purpose in her mind, the sole purpose of becoming a maiden to the Three Fingers. 
And it does raise the question of how the three fingers are able to do this in two different cases, or at least why it chooses to do this. It's almost as if because the three fingers do not recognise individuality, and they see all as one anyway, they are able to shuffle souls into different bodies as if they already see them as different appendages to the one whole anyway. Hayata is also interesting because she illustrates some of the core beliefs of the adherents of the frenzied flame, because the ghosts that want to give their eyes to her appear to know that they need to provide her with shabriri grapes with their eyes to advance the objectives of the frenzied flame. You're not like the others who give me grapes, are you? They rest their trembling hands upon me. Howling wordlessly, they gently stroke my eyes. Their frail fingers, emaciated. Yet still, they give me the grapes. But you seem somehow firmer. You are most kind indeed. May the blessing of the fingers be upon you. And indeed, these adherents also know about their promised Lord of Frenzied Flame, as we see this Lord of Chaos referenced by Frenzied Ghosts as well. For a philosophy so set against order, it surprisingly mirrors the structure and order of the Two Fingers candidacy, a lord and a maiden. And indeed this is a hypocrisy, a lie, noticed by Melina and stated to us in her argument for keeping life going and against siding with the Three Fingers. I ask you one more time, please, seek not the frenzied flame. As one who strives to become a lord, deny not the lives, the new births of this world. Those who would are not fit to be called lord, when the land they preside over is lifeless. One lord almost rose in times past to claim the mantle of the Lord of Chaos, Vike, once one of the greatest champions of the Round Table and the closest to becoming Elden Lord. We learn of Vike's sudden change of heart via his fingerprint set, which reads as follows. No other tarnished was closer to the throne of Elden Lord than Vike, but without announcement Vike travelled far below the capital and was scorched by the flame of frenzy. Did he make his sudden choice for his maiden, or did some other force lure him with suggestion? Vike made a decision and chose the frenzied flame. His armour suggests that he did this for his maiden. Or was he convinced by some other force? Given the speech that Shabriri gives us, a speech that leans heavily into our relationship with Melina to pull at our heartstrings to become the Lord of Chaos, it does seem likely that Vike had a change of heart due to his own relationship with his maiden and not wanting to sacrifice her to the flames. You were about to sacrifice something precious, the life of a fair maiden that you would toss into the fiery forge, only so that you may be lord. What a horrible thing to ponder. Your ascendancy requires her sacrifice. 
whether she wishes it or not. But how would the Lord, crowned so, be looked upon? Indeed, his ties to his maiden are hinted at more strongly via his invasion location in Lyurnia. Above the frenzied village and outside the church of inhibition, Vike will attack us. In this church is the corpse of a finger maiden, and while nothing else is said on the matter, it is almost as if Vike's phantom form is still protecting his maiden still, suggesting he was concerned with keeping her safe and thus could very well be his motivation for choosing the path of frenzy. Yet for whatever reason, it does seem as though Vike failed to become the Lord of Chaos, a fact lamented by a frenzied ghost in the frenzied flame village. Most likely Vike failed because he was imprisoned, as we can find him in an Everjail in the mountain tops of the Giants, as if he was on the way to the forge to unleash its power, as we later do on our path to unleashing the frenzied flame if we choose the path of the Lord of Chaos. If you'd like a more dedicated video on Vike himself, I would highly recommend V-Limit's video on the subject. In this video, V-Limit makes a compelling case for what happened to Vike. He references the incantation Frenzied Burst, which reads as follows. In times past, every single person who attempted to control the flame of frenzy succumbed to its madness after a desperate internal struggle. This incantation is testament to a meagre victory. V-Limit suggests that Vike was no exception and he was one to succumb to its power before achieving his goal, leading to the death of his maiden and the spreading of frenzy to the nearby village before finally being imprisoned. And indeed this does seem likely given that the frenzied burst is actually an incantation used by Vike in his fight with us, suggesting that he is one of the people who tried to master the frenzied flame but ultimately succumbed. Yet we can take up the mantle and inherit the frenzied flame and go further than Vike. If we take on Shabriri's advice and we use our own body as kindling to the flame of ruin. And this moment really is a testament to the power of the flame of frenzy within us. As Melina does seem to be burned away completely in the process when she acts as kindling, and yet we survive and harness this power as if the power of the frenzied flame within us is enough to sustain us through the process. While those on the path to Elden Lord will merely burn the Erd tree superficially and essentially restore it with the repairing of the Elden Ring. However, the Lord of Chaos is a different matter. They use the Flame of Ruin to burn the Erd Tree to gain access to its heart, and at that point the Lord of Chaos will unleash the frenzied flame within him to burn the Erd Tree right to the ground and the world to follow behind it. With the fall of the Elden Beast and the Elden Ring left unrepaired, there is no longer any order to hold back the Chaos. And that is why that at this moment, the Chaos Flame can erupt from the player and burn the Erd Tree to the ground and the world following it. Hayeta herself is the best source for what happens here. Thank you. Thank you. I have touched them. 
The words of the three fingers, as your maiden, allow me to divine them. All that there is came from the one great, then came fractures, and births, and souls. But the greater will made a mistake, torment, despair, affliction, every sin, every curse, every one born of the mistake, and so... What was borrowed must be returned, melted all away with the yellow chaos flame, until all is one again. But not only through her words, but also actual her own corporeal fate. For by touching her with the flame, she too becomes a vessel for the frenzied flame, albeit briefly, and at that point she's able to connect with the three fingers and translate their words and give our purpose to us, but unlike us, she is not able or meant to contain the power for long, and succumbs to its power as all will. For when we return, she is gone, melted away, and only the flame remains. The three fingers and the power of the frenzied flame is the manifestation of chaos and disorder in the universe. Its aim is to melt away the ordered separation of individual life, so that life is more chaotic and unformed. It is the nihilistic endgame that appeals to those who despair, to those who have suffered, and to those who think that life itself is a mistake, for without it, without life and the choices that come with it, they would not have experienced the pain or the things that they have seen. Starting with their eyes, the yellow flame will melt away the very notion of pain, for without eyes you cannot witness pain, without life there is no pain at all. There is, in fact, nothing. The fact there is pain and hardship is something even its opponents do not deny. But perhaps those on the side of life merely see things differently. For without order, there is no disorder. And without pain, there is no beauty, no love, or no life. If you intend to claim the frenzied flame, I ask that you cease. It is not to be meddled with. It is chaos, devouring life and thought unending. However ruined this world has become, however mired in torment and despair, life endures. Births continue. There is beauty in that. Is there not? If you would become Lord, do not deny this notion. Please. Leave the frenzied flame alone. And indeed, are you really a lord at all when you are the lord of chaos? When you rule over nothing at all? So thanks guys, that is my take on the frenzied flame, the three fingers, and the lord of chaos. If you like this video, please consider giving it a like and a subscribe, as it helps the channel out immensely. And I am dedicated to Elden Ring lore 100%, so if you like Elden Ring lore, this is your place to be. Please let me know your thoughts in the comments below if you think I missed anything or your own perspective on the Frenzied Flame, as well as let me know what you want me to cover next. So to celebrate 100k guys, I will be doing a couple of special videos in the coming month. I will be first of all doing one on the Auburn Orcs and another slightly different, interesting video that I think a lot of people are going to enjoy, so stay tuned for that. But until next time guys, I will see you in the centre of the Erd Tree. Take care and have a wonderful oblivion.